nowhere to run, ain't got nowhere to go. Bruce uh, Springsteen came out with this song in the middle of the 80s, and we've been starting to look at what that means to us, and that idea of being trapped, that idea of being um, confined. Uh, sometimes uh, being in the born in the USA doesn't seem to be the best thing in the world. Uh, not being un-American, not being uh, not patriotic, and all those kinds of things. But sometimes there's hard times. And if you read through this, the lyrics of that song by Bruce Springsteen, uh, you'll see that uh, it's really a song of, of entrapment, of sadness, of being stuck. It's a story of a, a man sent off to uh, Vietnam, and he comes back, and he can't find work, and he's just basically saying, you know, I've got nowhere to run. Ain't got, no, ain't got nowhere to go, and he's just stuck. And sometimes you and I can feel that way. Uh, we can feel stuck, whatever we're experiencing in life. And that's the same uh, parallel to Daniel. Uh, Daniel finds himself in Babylon, and he is stuck, uh, and he has nowhere to go, ain't got nowhere to go. And he, he's, just, he's just stuck there, and what does he do with that? How does he move through that? Uh, last week, I, I started off by telling you about a time where uh, my dad and my brother and I were stuck in a place we weren't supposed to be. Uh, they were building this uh, chapel uh, at Gordon College, and my dad had retired from school teaching and now was uh, a, a teacher there. And uh, we had kind of gone up, well, not kind of, we did go up on a Thanksgiving afternoon and uh, started poking around, and we found a door open. As I said last week, just because a door is open doesn't mean you should go through it. And we went through it and ended up in the chapel's, uh, dean of the chapel's office, which that's the big window right there. Uh, this is the room looking out from the window when it was finished. It didn't look like this when we were in there. But we got in there, and all of a sudden, uh, we found that uh, we were stuck. Uh, the door locked behind us. And this is the day before cell phones. This is uh, the windows didn't open. I think I told you I whispered my dad had a pee. And so we're stuck in there, and it is just not going well. And it was my brother who let the door shut, and it was my father who wanted to go up there. So I was, you know, looking at this whole situation, and I had nothing to do with it. And so we're up there, and uh, pardon Innocent bystander, just like Daniel, dragged off to the Babylon of the office. And we're locked in there, and uh, nobody's coming. Campus is empty, and we're just stuck there. We even thought about breaking one of those windows to yell out, but uh, there would have been no one to hear, and those look like expensive windows. So anyway, so we are stuck in there, and, and my dad is, you know, for the other reason, is getting very irritated that this has happened. Uh, he's, he's very uh, nervous about this, and, and I think some of it is it was as much being trapped, but it was as much being caught, because now he was going to have to explain, and this story would like waft across the campus, hear about Bill Spencer, he got caught in the day, you know, all, you know, and so, so there was some shame in there, I think that increased his irritation, it's kind of funny, I was talking to him on the phone this week about it, he didn't even remember anything about it, I'm like, yeah, right, Dad, but uh, anyway, I mean, he is 87, but he remembered, so anyway, so we're, 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 we're stuck there, and, and again, and things are, things are getting really bad, and, you know, you know, age difference, but I kind of felt that uh, what I'm going to show you next is kind of what my dad was feeling, even though he was older, 
than these boys. But uh, he, he was trapped and he got caught and it was going to be a big mess. Whose idea was this? That's Did my you think dad this and was Jeff. A good idea? Look at brother's face. Who got the paint out? Brother did? How did no? How'd he get it? How come you didn't tell him no? Who's the big brother? You are. How come you didn't tell him no? That wasn't a good idea. Huh? Are you guys in trouble? What, what, what should we do? I don't know. I don't know. You guys got paint everywhere downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> do you think you guys should have timeouts? You don't think so? Do you think I should not give you guys any more juice? Nothing's funny, bud. You have, you guys have paint everywhere. In the hair, daddy? <laughs> in the hair, daddy? Yeah, in your hair. Uh, my face? Yeah, you have it all over your face. Yeah. And um, my teeth? How do you think we're going to get this paint off? Big trouble. Both of you guys are in big trouble. Both of you guys are in big trouble. Both of you guys are in big, big trouble. Yeah. I actually think daddy's in bigger trouble when he gets home. When 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 mom gets home. So but uh, anyway. You know, I, I, I saw that this week, and I said, that, that's what's going on in my dad and my brother's mind when they're thinking. They're thinking some security guard is going to be there, you know, so why'd you get in here? You're in big trouble, and they're just kind of like, just, just stuck in the shame of it all. You see, sometimes you and I find ourselves getting into traps. Some of our traps are self-created. Uh, some of our traps are created by other people. That was me. Last week, we went through a lot of these sources of them. Uh, you can catch up with that online. Uh, but, the, but the bottom line was, when we find ourselves, regardless of the source, when we find ourselves trapped, uh, what are we going to do with that? And what's amazing about Daniel is he embraces that, 
and leans into it rather than pulling back, rather than hiding from it, rather than shrinking back from who he is, he actually leans into it. Now, last week we looked at a couple passages that, that predicted the demise of Jerusalem. That's where, that's where uh, Daniel was from. Nebuchadnezzar comes in about 2,600 years ago, wipes out Jerusalem, takes probably 25% of uh, the population back to Babylon, takes all the cream of the crop guys, nobility, and Daniel's one of those. And Jeremiah and others had, had, had prophesied and said, if you guys don't straighten things out, things are coming. Actually, Daniel's name means God is my judge. And so, so this was built into him, yet we see Daniel not, um, not, not suffering under whining as woe is me, as look at this trap I'm in, I didn't even create it. He, he leans in and embraces it. Jeremiah says, this is the way you're supposed to function in this, this foreign land. He says, make yourself at home there. Sometimes we look at culture, and we look at what's going around in our country, and we just want to become a holy huddle. That, that, that's not what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah says, engage. He doesn't say compromise, but he says, engage. Live in the place I put you to be. And he goes on and says, work for the country's welfare. Hopefully, times of peace and things like that will, will make, it, make it better. He says, pray for the Babylonians' well-being. That must have been such a hard prayer request. Pray for the people that destroyed the dream, the dream of Israel, the dream of Judah, the dream of Jerusalem. Pray for them, even though they've destroyed you, even though, uh, you know, you may have seen them come in and, and, and murder some of your family. Pray for them. See, engage the place that God has put you. Bloom where you're planted. Walk that fine line of not compromising, but lean in. And it's amazing that Daniel, we talked about this last week, we might see 12 years old, maybe 15, lives there 70 years plus. At every age and stage, he seems to do that. He seems to do that. He engages, and things will go well for you. And at first we go, well, I want things to go well for me. There's a, there's, a, there's a larger thing going on, and things will go well for you. You'll be able to be who you are to be. And for the people of Israel, being who they were to be was tied to their relationship with God. It was tied to pointing to him. So when they hear things will go well for you, it doesn't mean, you know, a, a double car garage, you know, a nice picket fence, that going well for you. No, it means you get to be who I've made you to be. You can actually not just survive there, you can thrive there. And Daniel, time and time again, shows us constantly uh, that he can do it. But you know what's interesting is, is Daniel doesn't get caught up in the blame game. Someone one time said being a blame is being lame. And uh, when you and I are looking for all the faults in somebody else or the reason this happened, the reason we're trapped, and we just kind of just live in that moment with a chip on our head, you know, we're being lame. Daniel, you never see this. You never see this in his life. You saw that in Dave Spencer's life, 15 minutes stuck in that office. I'm like, 
Dad, if you hadn't got us to go up here, I didn't want to come over here. I didn't care about the chapel. I didn't care about the chapel's office. And here we are. And Jeff, if you hadn't let the door shut, you know, you know, it's, this is, you know, I'm just an innocent bystander. I'm here for the ride. But, but that, that was in the past already. The question now was, was how to get out. And it's interesting, I, you know, I didn't, don't think I've told you this, but obviously we did get out. But what we discovered is, is I don't know if it was a, I don't know if it was a, a prompting of God or what, but I, I decided to go back and give that door just one more pull. And when I pulled it, it had not latched. So, so we were stuck and trapped in the room, and the door was not latched. Think about that for a minute. We, if, if, and again, it's no nobility on my, I just pulled on that door. If I had pushed on the door first, that would have been the end of the story. But I, but I pulled, for whatever I pulled on the door, the door wasn't locked. We were like, ah, and we're out of there as quick as we could, almost running, you know, to the cars. This whole concept of trap comes back to that idea too, though. Some of us, yes, are situationally trapped. We're physically trapped. We're trapped in a relationship. We're trapped without a relationship. We're trapped in a job. Not trapped. All those kinds of places we're trapped. We're trapped in the culture we live in sometimes. We say, woe is me. What is going on in this world? We're, we're trapped in that. But sometimes we're really not as trapped as we think. The trapping is happening all in our head in our hearts. The door actually is loose. The door actually is ajar. Yet we live a trapped life. Yes, the circumstances may lean into that somewhat, but we, most of our trappedness takes place on the inside, in our heart, in our soul. And Daniel got past that. Daniel got through that. He wasn't going to let his legitimate circumstances that somebody else did that wrecked his world, he wasn't going to let that completely define him. Yes, he was in Babylon. Yes, he had a function in Babylon. He had a, but, but he wasn't going to let it like suck the life out of him. He was going to engage and lean into it. And uh, no matter who we are, convinced, unconvinced, we have the same decision to make often. Are we going to, are we going to let what happened to us, what we did to ourselves... What's happening with our body? Are we going to let that trap us, defeat us, or not? And once we get over the initial shock, I'm sure there were countless nights where Daniel, and we'll see his friends later on, cried themselves to sleep because it stunk what had happened to them. It was terrible. Yet they somehow broke through that and didn't become trapped victims for the rest of their existence. They broke through that. And, of course, we're in a church, and I'm a pastor, and, and we're trying to say yes to Christ. So we're going to say that that, that, that that difference came as they leaned into their relationship with God. And that made all the difference. So this morning, if you're feeling trapped, whether you're convinced or unconvinced, I'm encouraging you, not just because we're inside a church, but I encourage you to, to lean into that idea that, that somewhere there's this possibility that God involved in your life can, can work something in your heart, in your mind, so you don't become a victim of a perceived trappedness or a reality trappedness. 
you don't have to live that way. I don't have to live that way. All this week, I kept asking myself, where am I responding to the world around me because I feel trapped? Do I feel trapped by this person, this problem, this thing? Do I feel trapped that i got a sermon i got to get together for Sunday? Where am I feeling trapped? And where is it reality? Where is it all in my mind? And where am I leaning into God so that I don't have to let that reality or just perception suck the life out of me? And Daniel and his friends somehow knew not to do that. We're not going to go through all eight verses we read last week, but in Daniel uh, 1, you find this in the Bible around you if you want to follow along that way or download a Bible onto your uh, smart device. But Daniel, we start to see the story unfold, but verse 8 is what I want to really focus in. Again, he's, he's trapped, legitimately trapped, not just in his mind and his heart, yet Daniel resolved not to defile himself. True colors were coming out in that 15-minute event in that office. We were defiling ourselves a little bit. The irritation, the tension. It was a small room for three guys, and, and, and we were stuck in there. At least we thought we were stuck in there. But Daniel, in his situation where he is stuck, purposes himself for the rest of his life, not just the one situation that we find verse 8 in, but the rest of his life, it rings true that he resolved himself, he purposed himself not to defile himself, not to be defined by a heart that had a chip on its shoulder because it was trapped by the actions of somebody else. And as we look at some of the stories, we're going to see that other people, again, tried to retrap him and he wouldn't let it, in a sense, stick. And it was his reality. He was there. But he wouldn't let it stick to his heart. I already mentioned this. This isn't in your notes, but this is from last week. Again, he gives us a model for every age and stage. Uh, some of just the great things that he was involved with over his 85-plus uh, years. Unbelievable. So last week I said we would give you three suggestions for when you feel trapped. Last week we saw the idea that uh, trapped inside every seed is a tree. And this idea that uh, when we're feeling trapped, that actually gives us an opportunity to grow. And uh, we ought to take that opportunity. We ought to get into that opportunity. Uh, you know, these, these suggestions uh, I think can help. I don't think they're like the three perfect situations. You just clip these off and go do these and automatically it's like throwing a switch. I think you got to process them through, digest them through. But again, trapped in every seed is a tree. Uh, many of us are familiar with the story of how a, a butterfly forms. And uh, we know that when a butterfly is in its cocoon, uh, if somebody comes along and helps that butterfly get out, uh, it's actually not good for the butterfly. Actually, the butterfly becomes uh, who he or she is, if you can hear he or she, uh, becomes who or she is because there's struggle in getting out of the cocoon. And if you affect that struggle, if you minimize that struggle, that butterfly will not fly. And the same is true for you and me. We don't have to go looking for struggles. We don't have to put struggles into our life. But when we find we're in the struggle, when we're in being entrapped, when we're in those places, it's in the struggle that our wings get its strength, and then we can fly. So the first suggestion is this, is that we realize we don't 
need to be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised. Just, I think it was this week, or maybe, no, it was last week, I get a call from um, Sarah, and she's on her way to work, and someone had been on their way to the hospital too, and they had hit her car, and uh, just a little fender bender kind of thing, and uh, you know, not, not too upset, but you know, asking me, what do I need to do, and all this kind of stuff, and, and I'm, I'm trying not to get upset, because I just get upset. I mean, it wasn't her fault, but I just like irritated, you know, what's going on here, you know? Okay, Dad, be nice, be nice. Be like that guy in the video. He was very nice to those two boys. He just kept laughing. That's where you need to laugh. This is just his life. But, but the reality is, I shouldn't be surprised. If you live in Rochester, if you're in all those parking garages, parking places, you're going to get dents in your car. It's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. you got to realize that is going to happen. So don't be surprised by that. Don't be surprised by that. Somehow in our lives, we think we're surprised when we get trapped. We're surprised when we get tripped up. We live in a broken world, broken nature, broken everything, and so it shouldn't surprise us. It actually should surprise us when nothing happens. That's why sometimes you see on these insurance commercials, right? Oh, if you've not had an accident in 10 years, you get some discount. Now, now sometimes it's like 25 years. But if you haven't had an accident in 25 years, you know, we'll give you a dollar back. But, um, you know, it's because, it's because the there's a surprise there. Because the reality is it's just expected. That's why you have insurance. So when it comes to our life as just human beings... You know, sometimes I, I, I sit at the table, and I don't really say this out loud because they would think I was being weird, and all five of us are there or families there, and I just look around the table and take a picture in my mind that this is a good moment. We're all here because there are people that are coming home, and not everybody's here. And isn't that amazing? You know, and then to really get more, when you think about Syria, I mean, that, that's the way they live. Oh, you got home. You made it. That's, that's an amazing event. So, so we shouldn't be surprised that there's just going to be little hiccups and big hiccups in our life. One of Jesus' friends writes about this. Don't be shocked or surprised when you suffer through some painful tests or some traps and trials. Is if something strange is happening to you, it's strange when everything goes smooth. And that's just a perception Sometimes of us have been motoring along and everything's smooth. And we don't realize that the core, the substance, is rotten and something's about to happen. And all of a sudden, the thing just, you know, falls in. We thought it was smooth, but it wasn't. So don't be surprised. Also, the idea of look for the good. Look for the good. And this is going to seem a little weird, but when you and I are, are trapped... We need to start looking for the good. Jeremiah, again, writing, when all this is going on, writing to, to people that are going to go into exile, says this. This is what God says. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hoped for. And when you and I read that today, that doesn't mean that everything's going to go wonderful. But if you've said yes to Jesus... If you have a relationship with God, you should walk around with a hope because you know what your future holds. I'm not talking about your future in two years, five years, ten years, well, maybe some of you, 20 years, but I'm talking about your future in 50 years, in 100 years. 
Your future that God has planned for you is you're like that little butterfly. You're in the struggle, and someday you're going to fly. Not necessarily fly in this chapter of life, but fly in the next chapter of life. When you fly into the presence of God Almighty, and once you get the shock of who he is and pick yourself up off the ground, you're going to find he wants you to crawl up in his lap because he's loved you with a love that he has for a child. So again, look for the good. And a part of looking for the good, I'm going to skip this, we'll do that another time, is first of all, is reflection is good. As, we, as we're looking for the good, as we're thinking about good, we, we need to realize that reflection is good. Usually when you and I find ourselves in a trap, we reflect. We're stuck in the chapel office to study, we're reflecting, we should never have gone through that door. We should never have done this. Something is out of whack. I should have said, no, I don't want to go up to see the college, you know. And, and so we need, to, we need to understand this. When you and I are in these hard times when we feel trapped, we need to reflect. Way back earlier when the Israelites were wandering, this is what God says, or Moses says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness, these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. See, how you figure that out is you need to reflect. Most of us don't spend enough time reflecting. Most of us don't ask why. Most of us don't think about our lives enough. And it's not to, not to feel bad about our lives, but it's to make course corrections. So when you find yourself in a trap, when you find yourself unable to, in a sense, move on, reflection is good. I'm sure Daniel reflected. I'm sure Daniel reflected, wait a minute, my people in Jerusalem compromised all over the place. Compromised in horrible ways. This is what's happened. This is why I'm here. Light goes on. If I compromise, even though it will take the heat off for the moment, I'll end up in trouble too. Reflection. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Back to Jeremiah. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the, hu of the human. I, I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. And in exposure to your heavenly father, in relationship with him, he can help you see when you or I am pretending. He can help us to see how things really are. So when you find yourself trapped by something and you feel like you almost can't move by whatever that is, the good in it is that you can reflect, you can learn, you can adjust. Reflection is good. We need to ask ourselves in these kinds of situations, what does this trap reveal about me? What does this trap reveal about me? Very simple, you know, we're going to reflect and we're going to say, here I'm in this trap. I'm not going to go blaming someone and being lame, even when you didn't cause your trap, but I'm reflecting and I'm saying, what does it say about my reaction? How am I responding? What does that mean about my heart? Where does that mean about my relationship with God, my relationship with others? Slowing down and asking, what does this trap reveal 
about me. So that's a good thing when it's a trap. God takes something that isn't so good, sometimes it's just horrible, and he leverages it and uses us in our lives for something good. And one of those good things is that we reflect, and then hopefully we ask the question, what does this say about me? I wasn't good with my finances. I wasn't wise about this. I didn't take time for this thing. It was a setup. I was so uh, not paying attention, I didn't realize Cindy had new glasses. <laughs> I'm trapped. <laughs> what does it say about me? Also, we need to realize that correction is good. Correction actually is good. We don't always think it's good. You're on the job and someone shows you a better way to do it. Most of us at first get defensive. But correction is good. Because what if I could change something in my life, adjust my life, adapt my life, actually then I would start living out of that new reality, that new rhythm, and it would actually put my life on a trajectory that's different than it was and actually be better. So correction is good. I think we looked at this verse last year. God corrects all his children. If you claim to be a Christ follower and never have any correction in your life, to say this, you need to ask, am I a follower of Jesus? Is God my heavenly father? Because God is a good heavenly father, and as a good heavenly father, he corrects. Most of us as parents don't really like to correct, but we know if we love our kids, we correct them. We correct them. Not oppress them, but we do correct them. And so God does that, and so we want him to be correcting us. It's never fun to be corrected. In fact, at the time, it's always painful. But if we learn to obey by being corrected, we will do right and live at peace. All of us could share a moment, come up at least with one moment, where someone corrected us about something, and we started living differently because of that, and now we have more peace in our life because we followed the lead of that advice, that correction. It's made it better. So when you feel trapped and you're looking at it and you're seeing what it says about you, there's also this part to say, oh, you know, what, what do I need to correct about it? Sometimes I need to correct my heart. Daniel, I would imagine there were days where he... <coughs> had a sour attitude because of his circumstances that he had nothing to do with. And he would have to have an attitude adjustment on the inside and let that correct his attitude so he could function in a less-than-best situation, in a horrible situation, and, and he wouldn't be trapped by it. So we have to ask ourselves, what is this trap teaching me? If you're trapped, use it. Squeeze it dry. Get something good out of it. God wants us to, to, to grow through the struggle. He wants us to be that tree in a seed. He wants us to be that butterfly breaking out of the cocoon. And in that struggle, something beautiful takes place. We ask ourselves, what is this trap teaching me? Never go into a building that you're not supposed to go into that's under construction. Won't do that again. What is this trap teaching me? Also, what is interesting is that it affects our direction. 
Direction is good. When you are trapped, it makes you look at your directions. I know there's been a lot moments in life where I've been, I've been, I've been trapped, and uh, it's affected my direction in life. It's actually made me look about going in a new direction, and that's a good thing. Even when what's trapped me is a bad thing, a hard thing, is a struggle thing. This is what happened for the prodigal son. Some of you remember with this story, he's gone off, he's doing his own thing, he's taking his dad's inheritance, and all this kind of stuff. And I love this, when he came to his senses. Why? Because there was pain in his life. He was trapped. He was hungry. And he, he, he let it sink in. And it actually changes his direction. He goes back home to his father. Sometimes you and I, trap ourselves by the way we respond to life and it doesn't it's not until we get to the rock bottom we're hitting the bottom that all of a sudden we come to our senses and some of coming to our senses says wait a minute maybe god has something to say maybe god has some relevance to my life and i change direction, and start moving in that direction. Some of you could tell your story right now. You could say, I was doing this, and I was involved in this, and I was hitting the wall, hitting the wall, hitting the wall, hitting the wall, and I came to my senses. There's another way. I'm trapped by this. And you said, I wonder, I wonder if there's any relevance to this God spiritual thing. And it changed the direction of your life. And you start to take in steps in that way. And then somewhere along the line, you cross the line of faith, and it has changed everything. You see, the fact of traps in our life is a good thing. It can change our directions. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. I wish that wasn't true. I wish I didn't have to do everything the hard way. How many of us learned that the stove was hot by never touching it? I don't know. You probably, probably most of us had at least touch it once. See, changed our ways. Wish it wasn't that way, but a lot of life is that. So why not take what traps us and let it change our direction? When we think about this, we say, how could this trap be protecting me? How could it be protecting me? How could the pain actually stop me from making worse painful decisions later on? Or just even responding to a trapment that's beyond my capacity to get out of. I'm, I'm stuck in it, so I've just got to adapt to it. I've got to deal with it. And, and maybe, it's, maybe it's trapping. Maybe not getting that promotion with the big paycheck was the best thing that could happen to you. Because if you did get it, you would have gone a completely different direction. Sometimes our traps protect. Protection is good. Uh, let's see. I, where am I now? I'm getting off a little bit here. But uh, Also the idea of intending to harm me, but intending it for good. This idea of uh, protection. And uh, when we think about some of these things, we think about uh, Joseph. He was sold into slavery. Joseph, he had entrapment after entrapment and after entrapment, but at the end of the big entrapments, he comes to this conclusion for the people that had done it to him. He said, you intended me, intended it for harm, but it turned out good. In Job, we read this, 
He led you from being close to trouble to a wide place where you were free. So we ask ourselves again, how could this whole concept of be protecting us? Lastly, moving right along, completion. Completion is good. You see, when God puts us or allows us into these entrapments or when we're in them by our own doing and we're trying to figure out what's going on, they actually perfect something in us. They grow something in us. Uh, Paul writes this. He says, being confident of this, that he will begin a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What that means is what God is doing in your life, doing in your heart now, will get you to a place where it will all come together. It won't all come together in this chapter of life, but it will come together in the next chapter. And he's allowing these things, he's bringing these things just to complete the work he's begun in us. And sometimes we take inventory of our life. Sometimes we're reflective and we say, man, I am so messed up. Will I ever get any better than this? And Paul reminds us that when we're feeling trapped, God is doing something in us to complete us. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us to learn to be patient. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us to trust God more each time we use it. So we ask ourselves, how can I grow from this trap? Last suggestion real quickly is this, lean on God. We sung that song just before the message. I had this idea of leaning in. When our prayers don't get answered, when the mountains don't get moved, what do we do when we don't understand what's going on? We don't understand how we've been trapped. We need to lean into God. You see, the Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? There are some things we're just not, we're not going to totally get. And that doesn't feel good. It's not emotionally satisfying. It doesn't make you go, oh, good, I don't understand. I can remember when my dad, I would see, he'd tell me to do something, and I'd say, well, but why? And he'd go, because. I mean, you're like, yeah, thanks. I, I don't, that's not satisfying to me. But there are a few times in life where we just have to, to lean in. Not, I'm sure there were times where Daniel just didn't get it. I don't even know if Daniel got it until his life was over. His trapment actually made a difference. And in the meanwhile, when you and I find ourselves trapped, we just need to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. If, if we can't bring any meaning out of it, we can't understand it, there's this default position where we just try to act justly to those around us, to love mercy, to share mercy, and to just walk humbly, receiving from him what he's given us. As we saw last week, a trapped life that adapts will never feel kidnapped. A trapped life that adapts will never feel kidnapped. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what in your mind you're going, Dave just doesn't get it because I'm trapped by this. He doesn't understand. And that's probably true because I'm not in your shoes. But I do know Daniel's situation was at least on par with your situation. At least close. And so somehow he's able to adapt, not feel kidnapped for the rest of his life, and actually able to not just survive, but to thrive. And for those who are, are willing to 
realize that this isn't surprise, willing to realize that some of the entrapments we face is actually good, who realize that we can lean in, we'll find ourselves not being kidnapped or our whole life just being sucked dry of all its joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for the life of Daniel. Uh, we thank you for how he points to you in so many ways. We look forward to diving into some of, the more, some of the other stories as we move along. Lord, I just pray for my friends here, and no matter who's here and how trapped they're feeling, I feel that I ask that you'd at least give them a glimmer of hope, that you can relieve that, you can give them some meaning to that, and they don't have to be dry, uh, dry because of that. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.